Others say it. We prove it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Joining us on the New Bridge Radio Show. You can also catch us online at newbridgeradio.com. Find us on Facebook under New Bridge Radio Show or follow us on Twitter at New Bridge Radio. Now let's connect you with what's next. Welcome back to the New Bridge Radio Show on WLTKDB Let's Talk. I am your host, Kevin Mackey, and we are connecting you to what's next in your life. And we're here to remind you that you are important to this world, and we value you here at the New Bridge Radio Show. How many of you are mad at Phil for seeing his shadow earlier this month? It could be quite a few of you. Uh, my, the weather is worth talking about, isn't it? <laughs> right now, the news has said there are 150 million Americans in the path of winter weather. There are blizzards and black ice and traffic jams and below zero temperatures. And if that's not enough, there are power blackouts also occurring. If you have a spare moment and feel led to do so, just say a short prayer for those that are in harm's way this evening. Just pray they get to where they need to go and that they're warm and safe. We have not avoided the winter weather here in Bothell. (laughs) We have gotten hit ourselves. We had 14 inches of snow here, which is unusual for us. Now, it's not unusual for it to snow at this time of year. But And a lot of times my neighbors and family will say, oh, it's snowing. Oh, my gosh. And you will forget that it often snows this time of year. And that's why I keep a weather journal to remind people that it's perfectly normal. It's it's perfectly normal for snow. (laughs) As a matter of fact, this weekend, there was a trend on Twitter as Seattle winter storm was trending uh, this past Saturday. There were short videos of people snowboarding down the hill into the Pike Place Market. And it really looked like a blast. And and anytime there is significant snow in the city, uh, everything, everything shuts down, everything. And that's just because Seattle has a lot of very steep hills, a little bit like San Francisco. There are very steep, (laughs) steep hills. And, you know, once you start walking down them, it can be quite a trek. And in the snow and ice, it's even more dangerous. It's even more dangerous with the way people drive in Seattle. So anyway, uh, it's it's a blessing when everything shuts down and people don't have to drive in the winter weather. So I do hope you are all safe and warm, and I do hope you're getting out to enjoy the the snow and the winter weather if you have the opportunity. Uh, Tonight on the New Bridge Radio Show, we have no guest interview. Tonight, it's just going to be us again. It's going to be a special teaching show, but don't be scared. You'll definitely hear something tonight that will help you live in freedom. For some, 
your life will change for the better and you'll never be the same. And that sounds like a big promise, but it absolutely could happen. Because tonight, we're going to be discussing the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I don't know, you may remember when we had our special guest, Ava Charlotte, on the Newbridge Radio Show. She mentioned the book, and she mentioned that she became an apprentice of Miguel and stayed and learned from him for nine years. If you don't remember, or you can't remember, it's worth going back into the WLTKDB archives. You can find the show with Ava Charlotte there. You can also find it on the New Bridge radio show. It's worth listening to again. Uh, Ava Charlotte was our guest that uh, skydived out of a plane and her chute didn't open, but she survived and she has an intriguing story. So, I believe I heard about the four agreements many, many years ago. Someone from our Toastmasters Club gave a speech about the book and commented on how it profoundly changed their point of view. And it was such an intriguing speech. I went out that weekend and drove to the local Barnes and Noble and I ended up buying the book and I read it in one sitting because it's not a very, it's not a very long book. And I found that it did change my point of view as well. And I was extremely glad that I had purchased the book. And since that time, I've always made a point to read it at least once a year because it's amazing how I forget uh, the tall te- the tall tech wisdom of the four agreements. In fact, it has probably been at least a few years now since I read the book. And since it seems to be coming up in quite a few offhand conversations, I told myself, I need to read the four agreements again, especially since I've had trouble just explaining all four of them to a colleague that had asked me what they were and what they meant. I could remember the second agreement, but I had a complete and total mind blank when I tried to remember the first, the third, and the fourth. And I think (laughs) it seems like a number of people who have read the four agreements can always remember the second agreement so much easier than the other three. They'll be like, well, I remember the second agreement probably the best, but the other three, no. Well, we'll be getting to the second agreement Uh, shortly. In fact, we may only have time in this show to get to the first and second agreement, and we'll have to save the third and fourth for another show, maybe. We may also only get to the first agreement, (laughs) but uh, that's okay if we only get to the very first agreement of the four agreements, because the first agreement is the most important. Or at least uh, Miguel Ruiz, the author of the book, thinks it's the most important. So first, the book is called The Four Agreements, a Toltec Wisdom Book. And Toltec, if you've never heard that word, is spelled T-O-L-T-E-C. And the Toltecs were known throughout southern Mexico as women and men of knowledge. The Toltec were scientists and artists who formed a society to explore and conserve conserve the spiritual knowledge and practices of the ancient ones. They came together as masters or noguls 
and students at and I and I hardly ever say this town correctly, but I'm going to try. Tiwakan, Tiwakan, the ancient city of pyramids outside of Mexico City, known as the place where man becomes God. And you may remember uh, when uh, Ava Charlotte heard that that name, the name of that city, she knew in her heart that she needed to go there. She needed to find this place where man becomes God. And that's where she met uh, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And later, Don Miguel. Anyway, the author, Don Miguel Ruiz, was born into a family of healers and raised in rural Mexico by his mother, who was a healer, and by his grandfather, who was a nagul or a shaman. The family believed that Miguel would be chosen to embrace their centuries-old legacy of healing and teaching and carrying forward all of the esoteric uh, Toltec knowledge that the family had come uh, to know uh, throughout their lives. And Miguel was extremely smart and extremely, you know, well-read. He went on to study medicine in the early 70s. And it was in the early 70s that he had a near-death experience. And he had been studying medical, um, been studying medicine for a number of years. And he had a near-death experience in a car accident. His car hit a cement wall. And he had fallen asleep, actually, and hit the cement wall. And in those moments after the car had hit the wall, he found himself, he found his consciousness outside of his physical body. And this changed his entire life as it would anybody because he could see himself in the car and he could, his awareness was such that he just allowed himself to protect his body and keep harm from it as it was sitting there. And he knew, you know, that he, he was experiencing himself as dead and having studied science it was such a profound change and changed uh the way he thought completely and it it really uh, made him decide to embark on a spiritual journey which his mother and his grandfather assisted him in so to begin we must understand we must understand the dream of the planet. And the dream of the planet that we're on is the collective dream of billions of smaller personal dreams, which together create a dream of family, a dream of community, a dream of a city, a dream of a country, and finally, a dream of the whole of humanity. The dream of the planet includes all of society's rules, its beliefs, its laws, its religions, its different cultures, the ways to be, its governments, its schools, its social events and holidays. Each of us has been domesticated to the dream of the planet by focusing our attention on it. The outside dream uses mom and dad, the schools, and religion to teach us how to dream 
by focusing our attention. Attention is the ability we have to discriminate and to focus only on that which we want to perceive and we can perceive millions of things simultaneously. But using our attention, we can hold whatever we want to receive in the foreground of our mind. By using our attention, the adults around us hooked our attention and put information into our minds through repetition. This is always the way that we learn everything that we know. By using our attention, we learned a whole reality, a whole dream. As a matter of fact, focusing attention to a smaller and smaller level is how hypnosis works. It's just a hypnotist getting us to focus our attention more and more and more. And as we focus the attention of our client, their, mo- their consciousness shifts into a greater consciousness, into a consciousness level. We play with consciousness all the time. The only way to store information in your mind is by agreement. The outside dream may hook our attention, but if we don't agree, we don't store the information. As soon as we agree, we believe it. And when we believe it, it is called faith. To have faith is to believe unconditionally. Miguel calls this process the domestication of humans. And through this domestication, we learn how to live and how to dream. The outside dream that we're all experiencing right now teaches us how to be human. We have a whole concept of what a woman is and what a man is and and what society should look like and how to behave and everybody should have a square house and it should only be earth tones. This is what the dream tells us. And we also learn to judge. We judge ourselves. We judge other people. We judge our neighbors. We even judge our neighbor's pets. As children, we develop a need to hook other people's attention in order to get a reward, to get what we need. We learn these behaviors through our domestication. We also learn punishment when we do something bad. And so more and more, with the fear of being punished and the fear of not getting the reward, we start pretending to be what we're not, just to please others, just to be good enough for someone else. We start acting. We pretend. All of our normal tendencies are lost in the process of domestication. Eventually, we don't need mom or dad. We don't need the school and we don't need the church to domesticate us because we are so well trained by the time we're adults that we really are our own domesticator. We really do become our own judge as well as our own victim by our own self-talk. There is something in our minds that judges everybody and everything, including the weather, 
including the way people are dressed, the way that people look, what we see on TV, the inner judge uses what is in the book of law to judge everything we do and don't do, everything we think and don't think, and everything we feel and don't feel. Everything lives under the tyranny of this judge that lives in our minds. And the whole dream that we're in, living in, according to the Toltecs, is based on false law. 95% of the beliefs we have stored in our minds are nothing but lies. And we suffer because we believe in all these lies. And these lies were told to us by teachers and people that were trying to actually help us. And to give you an example, in second grade, I was told by my second grade teacher that I was a terrible speller and that I would never learn to spell. <laughs> and it, it, I don't know why it made such a huge imprint on me as it did, but it, it you know, I'm, kids in second grade are probably what, uh, eight? <laughs> so from the age of eight years old, I believed that I would never be able to spell. And it became a law in my mind. And it still operates to this day, even though I've gone on to get an advanced uh, uh, undergraduate college degree, I still struggle with simple spelling mistakes that I've <laughs> that I've dealt with my whole entire life. There are words that I just, my mind will say, no, no, like necessary and receive and receipt and recipe. Those words I've just almost given up on. I just, I'm just like, no, I cannot do it. Anyway, it was just that one thing, that one little lie played over in my head over and over until I had this terrible, almost like a spell cast on me at a young age that still continues to this day. Anyway, the personal dreams of humans will vary globally. And a lot is a nightmare because it's ruled by fear. Uh, throughout the world, we see human suffering. We see anger, revenge, um, addictions, violence in the street. And we also see tremendous, tremendous injustices. Uh, make no mistake, fear is controlling a lot of the outside dream that we're all experiencing. Uh, for instance, the United States spends more money on military and weapons than the next five developed countries combined. And it's all rooted in the fear that if we don't have more weapons than the rest of the world, they'll invade us and ruin our freedom or what we think is freedom. And that type of behavior that we have continued in and existed in for decades is all rooted in fear. And not freedom. If we were truly free, we wouldn't be stockpiling 
defensive weapons for an invasion that might never ever happen. Whenever we feel the emotions of fear, jealousy, envy, or hate, we experience a fire burning within us. We are living in a dream of hell. And others may warn us that if we don't do what they say, we should, we, uh, if we don't do what they say, we will go to hell. Well, bad news is we are already in hell, including the people who tell us that. No human can condemn another human to hell because we are already there in our minds. We are already suffering when we are living in fear. Now, before we get on to the first agreement and the four agreements, we need to just step away for a brief break and hear from our sponsors. So bear with us as we tiptoe away and we'll be right back on the New Bridge Radio Show. wanted to host your own radio show? If your answer is yes, then the time to act is now. WLTK-DB Let's Talk is now accepting new programming more affordable than ever. You create the show idea and we'll take care of the rest. Not only do we create your program intro and provide broadcast training, but also syndicate you to popular outlets like Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. You get all of this starting at one 100 bucks per month. Three packages to choose from and built to make your wallet happy. Contact us at WLTKDB.com with your show idea and let's bring your dream to life. All topics accepted and you have full rights to your program. Contact us today and reserve your spot on WLTKDB Let's Talk. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. Back to the New Bridge Radio Show. I'm your host, Kevin Mackey, and we are having a special teaching show. This edition of the New Bridge Radio Show, we are talking about the four agreements. And if you've never read the four agreements, I strongly suggest you get the book. It's not a very long read, and you will not regret it. Right before the break, we were talking about how fear can put us in a sort of state of mind that is almost like hell. Anytime we're in fear or anxiety or fear of being rejection, it can be a, a hell we're living in in our own mind. Our personal dream can become an ongoing nightmare where we suffer and live in a state of fear. But we don't need to dream a nightmare. We don't need to do this. It is actually possible to enjoy a pleasant dream, to have a pleasant life, and to create things in our life that are actually enjoyable and peaceful. 
all of us are searching for truth, justice, and beauty. Uh, we are searching for justice because in the belief system we have, there is no justice. Uh, there is no truth to find, but with the agreements and beliefs we have stored in our mind, we have no eyes for this truth. We don't see the truth because we are blind, and what blinds us are those false beliefs we have in our mind. We have the need to be right and to make others wrong. <laughs> and I certainly have had experienced this in my own life. And I had a, a really interesting childhood in that I grew up in um, a particular denomination of the Christian church that was um, uh, very spiritual and um, in a lot of ways, very good and very loving, but in other ways, very judgmental. <laughs> and, and as I started to get grow older, I started to feel the pressure of it. I started to feel um, that I was becoming more and more intolerant of other people and judgmental. And I had to break out of it. I had to leave. Uh, uh, I couldn't escape it. it I, I started seeing people in that particular denomination almost suffering from a mind virus. And... Miguel was the first one to kind of put a word to it that I could understand and relate to. And it's like your mind is in a fog. Um, it, it, this also happens in political terms these days. You know, some, some people can almost have a virus where they will not listen. They will not uh, accept anything but what they want to believe. And the Toltecs called this mind fog the metote. Metote. Uh, your mind is a dream where there's thousands of people talking at the same time and nobody understands it, each other. This is the condition of the human mind. A big metote, and with the big metote, you cannot see what you really are. When there's this mind fog around you, this mind virus, or sometimes I call it the static. And the static is always controlled by these little wispy dark things that make people behave badly. But I won't get into all of that. <laughs> Everything you believe about yourself and the world, all of the concepts and programming you have in your mind are all the metote, the big, the big consciousness. We cannot see that we are not free until we start to question the metote and start to question our own thinking. We have really learned to live our lives trying to satisfy other people's demands. We have learned to live by other people's points of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else. And I certainly experienced that as well, trying to please other people by holding on to beliefs that no longer served me. And I couldn't see at the time that I wasn't free until I started to question everything. Uh, during this process of domestication, we form an image of what perfection is in order to try to be good enough, in order to be accepted, accepted by our family, accepted by our school, uh, by our religion, by our peers. Uh, we cannot forgive ourselves for not being perfect. And a lot of us go through this. We are our harshest critic. 
We cannot forgive ourselves for not being what we wish to be, or rather what we believe we should be. We dishonor ourselves just to please other people. We even do harm to our physical bodies to be accepted by others. There's a lot of people that do cosmetic changes to their own human form just to be pleasing to other people, uh, just to get rid of their own uniqueness. Um, humans punish themselves endlessly for not being what they believe they should be. They become very self-abusive and they use other people to abuse, to abuse themselves as well. But nobody abuses us more than we abuse ourselves. And it is the judge, the victim, and the belief system that make us do this. It, so it, it really is a profound point in the four agreements that Miguel makes. It's the judge, the victim, and the belief system always. And every time I read the book, I always say, oh, I'm never going to forget that. It's the judge, the victim, and the belief system. But somehow it always fades. But uh, <laughs> that's why I commit to reading the book at least once a year so that I can remember, so that I can remember the four agreements and live by them and use them to change that kind of thinking. Um, each of us has played a record of a conversation over and over in our minds, neglecting everything around us. Maybe we had an argument at work and we knew we were right about something, but the nobody wants to hear our explanation of what went wrong and we'll play that conversation older and over and over over and over in our minds. Or maybe you're you're happy and you're just driving like the other day, I'm just driving home from the grocery store and I am looking my rear view mirror and I'm being aggressively tailgated. And you know what? Every time I'm aggressive, aggressively tailgated, it seems like it's always, always the same kind of car. You know what? It's always an Audi. It's always an Audi. It, doesn't it seem like every time it's an Audi? But anyway... <laughs> anyway, I digress. I digress. But in that moment, you you know, you're panicked, you're going, you're you're allowing that behavior to affect your state of mind and you're you're thinking to yourself, "Oh my gosh, look at you're just full of fear. Just think what could happen if I if a poor poor kitten walked out in in the road and I had to slam on my brakes and this fool that's tailgating me would slam into my car and all these bad things were to happen." All of us go through this. All of us go through these little scenarios in our mind where our attention is hooked and we're repeating the same conversation and the same actions. We're letting ourselves go deeper and deeper into the fear. Um, and we're telling ourselves lies. We're telling ourselves false beliefs. If you abuse yourself very badly, you can even tolerate someone who beats you up, humiliates you, and treats you like dirt. Because in your belief system, you say, I deserve it. This person is doing me a favor by being with me, and I'm not worthy of love and respect. I am not good enough. We have the need, every one of us have the need to be accepted and to be loved by others, but we cannot accept and love ourselves. The more self-love 
we have, the less we will experience self-abuse. Self-abuse comes from self-rejection, and self-rejection comes from having an image of what it means to be perfect and never measuring up to that ideal. Our image of perfection is the reason that we reject ourselves. Uh, it's certainly true in my case. It is why we don't accept ourselves the way we are and why we don't accept others in the way that they are. <laughs> But the most important agreements are the ones you made with yourself. Uh, just like I was mentioning about the spelling, I made that agreement with myself in second grade. In these agreements, you tell yourself who you are, what you feel, and what you believe, and how to behave. The result is really what you call your personality in these agreements, you say, this is what I am. This is what I believe. I can do certain things and some things I cannot do. I cannot spell necessary and who cares? Uh, one single agreement is not such a problem, but we have many agreements that make us suffer, that make us fail in life. If you want to have a life of joy and fulfillment, you have to find the courage to break those agreements that are fear-based and claim your personal power. The agreements that we all have that come from fear require us to ex expend a lot of energy, but the agreements that come from love actually help us to conserve energy. And they even help us to gain extra energy. Each time you break an agreement, all the power you use to create it returns to you. You need a very strong will in order to adopt the four agreements that we're going to talk about. But if you can begin to live your life with these agreements, the transformation in your life will be amazing. You will see the drama of hell that surrounds you disappear right before your eyes. You will create your personal dream of heaven rather than living in this terrible world, our large dream of hell that's fear-based. So the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. And it's probably the most important. The first agreement in the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. The first agreement is the most important one and also the most difficult one to honor but it is very, very powerful. Your word is the power that you have to create. Your word is the gift that comes directly from God. The word is force. It is the power you have to express and communicate, to think, and thereby to create the events you have in your life. Depending on a, upon how it is used, the word can set you free, or it can enslave you even more than you know. 
all the magic that you possess is based on your word. Your word, our word is our magic and misuse of our, of our word is black magic. The word is so powerful that one word can change a life or destroy the lives of many people. Uh, think about the movie, The Color Purple. And if you've seen the movie, The Color Purple, you remember young Seely as a teenager and her father telling her, Seely, you have the ugliest smile. And from that point, from her teenage years all the way into adulthood, she never let anyone see her smile ever and it's kind of it's kind of the same uh, story uh, that i had with my spelling issue <laughs> where i just would not and where i just could not spell for the life of me every human is a magician and we can either put a spell on someone with our word or we can release someone from a spell we cast spells all the time with our opinions <laughs> and we are always free, feel, we always feel free to give our opinions. So, just for a second, um, say I see a friend, and I say to him, "Hmm, I see that kind of color in your face in people that are going to get cancer." If he listens to the word and if he agrees with himself, he will have cancer in less than a year. That is the power of the word. When a healer says something like that, oh, this is the color of people, of the face of people who die. It's planting a seed that that person, if they agree to it, will create all kinds of chaos in their life. There are all kinds of examples of this. You're ugly or you're fat or you're stupid. This is the word. This is misuse of the word. We do it to others and boy, do we do it to ourselves in our own mind. You matter. There is much love for you here. I value you. You are important to the dream. This is being impeccable with your word. When you are impeccable, you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. Self-rejection is the biggest sin that we can commit as human beings. Being impeccable with our word is not using the word against ourselves. If I see you in the street and I call you stupid, <laughs> it appears that I'm using the word against you. But really, I am using my word against myself. Because you, if I call you stupid, you're going to hate me for this. And you're hating me is not good for me. Therefore, if I get angry and with my word, send all the emotional poison to you, I am really using the word against myself because it's all going to come back to me. Because you're not going to like it if I call you stupid or fat. You're going to hate me for it. So that just hurts me in the end. We use the word to curse, to blame, to find guilt, to destroy. We plan revenge. We create chaos with the word. We use the word to create hate between different races, between different people, 
between families, between nations. I remember uh, there was a huge, huge conflict between two families in junior high. And there was probably a good three weeks in junior high where fights would break out between classes every single period between these two families. They were fighting each other left and right and left and right. And it was just a huge thing and nobody could understand what was happening between these two families. And, you know, as more and more <laughs> became expelled, you know, from school, you know, the less and less the violence happened. But in the end, when it's all said and done, we, we, we finally find out what the big deal was between these two families that created so much hostility. And it was so stupid. I don't even remember what the, the thing was that caused all of the heat between them. but it was something dumb like uh they broke the lawnmower borrowed the lawnmower and broke it it was it was so dumb but anyway i digress but uh we do have it we can use our word to create um conflict between people and families and nations if you if you accept the opinion it becomes an agreement inside your head and it starts to work the only way to break an agreement is to make a new agreement based on truth. The truth is the most important part of being impeccable with your word. Only the truth will set us free. Now, the worst form of black magic is called gossip. <laughs> and gossip is something we all love to partake in because it's kind of kills the time and it opens up conversational doors sometimes with people that we don't necessarily get along with we can offer them a bit of gossip and it will allow them to communicate with us gossip is black magic at its very worst because it is pure poison uh, we learned how to gossip by agreement and if i'm being honest uh, I think I became a good gossiper maybe by fourth grade, <laughs> fourth grade, when I was telling on other kids, you know, oh, you know who took that pillow? Let me tell you, you know, all of these things we learned from at a young age about gossip and about talking about other people. And using the analogy of the mind as a computer, gossip can be compared to a computer virus. Gossip has become the main form of communication in human society. It has become the way we feel close to each other because it makes us feel better to see someone else feel as badly as we do. And when I think back on uh, times of that I myself have participated in gossip and where it has really backfired. Uh, so one, one way that it really backfired is, uh, you know, where I used to work, we used to use a chat program and most of our communication was done through this chat and people would say the most terrible things in this little chat program while we were working because, you know, 
there was a lot of stress in our job. And sometimes gossip was a good way to relieve a lot of the stress to say, hey, did you hear about this? And also, there were a lot of layoffs happening within the company. So the the little instant messaging chat became important because we wanted to know, did you hear anything? Who's getting laid off? Who's getting fired? It was always a, to- a hot topic in the uh, chat software that we used. And, you know, you might say something offhand in the chat and think the thing about the chat program is it would switch, like the window would switch, like suddenly you would have a chat from someone new and you could very easily type something absolutely slanderous in a new chat window with someone you didn't mean to send a chat to. And that we we had a person on our shift that talked to themselves. And this is really terrible. They talked to themselves all the time. And it was full of vulgarity and swear words. And it was just terrible. We did something terrible and we created a Twitter account. And we used to just tweet all of the profanities this person would say. And people would and people got actually started following it. They were like, this Twitter account is so cool. Does this person really exist? That's how terrible. That's how terrible it was. And you know, that's how gossip had gotten a hold of us. And it was, it was pure poison. And this particular person that had this habit of saying these terrible things, accidentally sent a cue asking a a real question. And I had typed a little bit of terrible, terrible things about this person, about sitting next to this person. And they read them. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I was busted, busted by the terrible black magic of gossip. And I felt horrible. And that is why it's important to be impeccable with our word, because if we are impeccable with our word and we stick to the truth, we never injure people with our words. We're never caught in an embarrassing moment where we've said something that isn't true or something even worse, something that hurts someone else because we're impeccable with our word. We must begin to understand that the word is what the word is and what it does. If you understand the first agreement, be impeccable with your word, you begin to see that all the changes that can happen in your life. Changes first in the way that you deal with yourself in your own mind. And later in the way you deal with other people, especially those you love the most. So where this agreement works most profoundly is in your own mind. If you're impeccable with your word in your own mind, and you say things that inspire you, you fill your mind with words of peace, with words of love, you become less triggered. You become powerful. So it's always good to prepare yourself because there are things that are going to trigger us. There are conversations that are going to try to pull us in to not being impeccable or to participate in the addictive self-infused conversations of gossip. So it's 
best if we prepare ourselves and we deal with our own mind continually with the first agreement where we're impeccable with our word in our own head first. And once you start there, it's a little bit easier to be impeccable with your word with other people because you're speaking the truth in your own mind and your own self. And the more you practice being impeccable in your own mind, the more it will spill out with others. And so the way you do that is you find things that are impeccable. You find poems, you find rhymes and affirmations that help you be impeccable with your word in your own mind. That way you're always ready. There is a little app that someone made and it's absolutely amazing and fantastic because remember in the beginning when we were talking about how our attention gets hooked into conversations, into a bad behavior. Well, if you can unhook yourself immediately, you can usually avoid all of the unnecessary suffering of not being impeccable in your word. There's a little app uh, and it's available on the Apple App Store, and it might be available for Android users as well. It's called Transmutation. And it's a really good app to keep on your phone because you can look at it when you need it. And if you're in confrontation or you're having a, a bit of a spat, you can look at this transmutation app and it gives you four things to take your mind away from conflict or away from uh, suffering. If you're in an argument, it gives you a word. Like if it's uh, a situation that's uh, where timeliness is necessary, you can just type word and it will give you a word that you can put your attention on and forget about the conflict that's going on. It will also give you a phrase that's like an affirmation and you can look at the phrase. Or if you're in serious conflict, it will give you a blessing that you can silently bless the other person with. You can silently say this little blessing and then be done with rehearsing the conversation in your head. You can just be done with it. You look at the little blessing and you just say the little blessing for the person and then you're done. You can go on being impeccable uh, with your word in your own mind. And lastly, if it's really, really a difficult situation, the transmutation app will show you a picture and you can tap picture and it will show you a cute picture of a puppy or a kitten or a duck or there are hundreds of different little things, little pictures that will come up on the screen and that will take you out of the conflict. And it is a great way to do it. But there's other things you can do as well. You can have little notes that you can look at on your phone, or you can have walk away, or you can you can have your your weapons as they are to pull you out of being um, involved in gossip or things that create suffering, conversations that create suffering, and remain impeccable with your word. You know what? Impeccability of the word will also give you immunity from anyone putting a negative spell on you. 
you will only receive a negative idea if your mind is fertile ground for that negative idea. When you become impeccable with your word, your mind is no longer fertile ground for words that come from black magic. Instead, it is fertile ground for words that come from love, from words that free you and free your thinking and don't hook your attention. You can measure the impeccability of your word by your level of self-love, how you how much you love yourself and how you feel about yourself are directly proportionate to the quality and integrity of your word, the word that's going on in your head. <laughs> the word that says, oh, you know what? You're too lazy today, or you didn't do this, or you didn't do that, or you didn't say this. When you change that, that dialogue in your head and you allow yourself to be self-assured, it changes everything. And I, and I know I've t- I've told this story before of Dolores Cannon coming and saying to me, Kevin, do you know what self-assurance is? And I said to Dolores Cannon, I think, I think so. I think I know what that means. And she said, you know what it means? It means to assure yourself, tell yourself you can do it. And I never forgot it. It was a great lesson from Dolores Cannon. And that is the same thing. You can measure the impeccability of your word by your level of self-love. And that's why I'm a huge believer in um, affirmations, in poetry. And maybe you've never read poetry or you've, 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 uh, I've never thought about uh, just clipping a little, a little poem out and using that to be impeccable with your word inside your own head and creating a ground that is, uh, that is fruitful and fertile and that comes from love. People will notice immediately when you begin to have a ground that's fertile for love and for um, kindness. Um, with the impeccability of the word, you can transcend the dream of fear and live a different life. You can live in heaven in the middle of thousands of people that are literally living in hell because you are immune to that hell. You can attain the kingdom of heaven from this one agreement. Be impeccable with your word. And it looks like we're only going to get to the first agreement. (laughs) But the first agreement is the most important. And it does help you to transcend and transmute your own life. Now, we'll have to continue this discussion on the four agreements and get to the other three at a later date, probably two weeks from now. Um, But next week on the New Bridge Radio Show, I am so excited. Uh, We will be welcoming back Donna Campbell. You might remember her from a few weeks ago. 
Donna, Donna Campbell was about to release her book, Financially Fit, Living the Secrets to an Abundant and Prosperous Life. Her book has finally come out, and she is going to be on our show next week to talk about her book, and it is going to be fantastic. So, I want you to think about the first agreement being impeccable with your word. And I want you to tune in next week. And I do hope you know that we adore you and wish you only the best. We'll see you next week. 